0: Welcome to Sports Nut Central. We're
1: nuts about sports. Sports fans, welcome back. Episode three on the air. And we're proud to bring it to you, of course, from our own homes as we do this thing on Zoom and we try to catch you up on the world of sports as this is COVID special, of course, as we continue on living the COVID 19 world. And Gina and Andrew joining me once again for episode three of Sports Nut Central. Hope everyone's doing well and hope you've had some time to kind of step away from what's going on in the world right now as it has been a terrible kind of last little bit in the world of sports and the world itself with so many racial problems of course starting in Minneapolis and then you look at what's going on in the world of sport it's it's a crazy time for everyone and I know Kevin you're a St. Louis Blues fan yourself what's your take on this for the world of NHL and the world of sport with so many racial issues going on right now and big name players stepping up to the plate.
2: Uh, I think it's just a matter of uh, everyone's got to get on the same page and move forward. I think uh, a lot of it's just people understanding the real meaning of what's going on. You see in the NFL, the comments from Drew Brees then kind of backtrack, saying maybe didn't really recognize the actual issue at hand. So I think it's just, making people aware of the issue and getting on the same page and moving forward as one.
1: And Andrew, do you think it's an issue that people are avoiding? Like Drew Brees, like Kevin just mentioned, he backpedaled on what he said, but is it, is it more of an issue that people are not so much avoiding, but they're, they're afraid to answer the tough questions?
0: Yeah. I also think if you listen to a lot of even the NHL guys, like I've seen Shea Weber, um, Sidney Crosby, mcdavid there's been a bunch of guys Brendan gallagher whose whose uh, tweets i read specifically about this racial issue because you know for those that haven't experienced the racism themselves it's really hard to be able to have any commentary or opinion on it to a degree because again you just you don't know what it's like to be a person of color i i personally still don't i mean uh you know this whole white privilege thing this this saying is kind of like coming up more and more and we're basically you know culturalized and we don't even know it like that. We have this white privilege and I I don't even like, I don't even like saying it. Like it actually makes me uncomfortable to say it because I am not more privileged in my view than any other person in this world, no matter what color their skin is or what their ethnic background is. So, but you're learning a lot about how guys are trying to explain or understand if anything, this is an educational thing, right? We're all just trying to, and the professional athletes included, learn more, about this whole racial issue. And you're hearing a lot of people plug this on Netflix right now, the documentary 13, which I still need to watch myself, goes through the history of racism and basically takes us up to where we are today with this issue. And then of course you have what happened last week in Minneapolis. And um, it's just coming uh, to the forefront. We're kind of at a tipping point as my friend, Chris Lewis, who I interviewed earlier this week said um, this, this whole thing has just brought it into such a light that, not anybody anywhere can ignore it now.
1: Exciting, exciting show on tap though. And as you mentioned, Andrew, this is, it's something as an educational point, and it's an exciting show for us because we get the chance to sit down and actually speak with Roger nurse, the father of Isaac nurse and Sarah nurse members of the huge nurse family. And in the world of sports, the name nurse goes a long way, stretches all the way to the WNBA, the NFL, the WNBA, of course, with Kia Nurse. The NFL, Donovan McNabb is a part of that family. Roger Nurse, a National Lacrosse League referee and still referee in games in Ontario. Isaac Nurse, captain of the Hamilton Bulldogs. And Sarah Nurse represented Canada in Pyeongchang at the Olympic stage for women's hockey. So you look at that family and you say, wow, what a family to be a part of. And all, of course, during this time, it's really tough for them being a black family. And we talked to them, you know, before we started doing this and Roger mentioned that, yes, it is a tough time for them, but like you said, Andrew, educational time. And they're definitely glad to be able to join us today and be a part of this and shine a light on a problem that it seems to go away at times. And we think we're doing so well. And then it just inches back. And today we're, we're glad to shine a bigger light on that. And I think this is going to be one that everyone needs to take down a, pen and paper and take a few notes on almost because there's something to learn from everyone who speaks about this topic.
0: Absolutely. I mean, uh, that was this interview, you know, is just so educational right in its own. And earlier this week, I have to say when I interviewed my friend Chris, who uh, grew up in Canada, but he, he grew up in a black, black family, of course. And, you know, his, the, the thing that he said to me or just during this interview, just in general blew me away. And it was simply this, you know, he's like, he kind of, he almost put it, it kind of like, it's almost emotional to a point. It's like he, he put, he almost put his race aside. He was like, you know what? This isn't just a black issue. This is a human issue. And it's everybody's problem. It's not just, it's not just black people's problem. It's everybody's problem, racism. Right. And I just like drop the mic. Like it's everybody's problem. And when he said that to me, it just like, it hit me right in the heart. I was just like, my goodness this is my problem too. This is everybody's. And that just, uh, spoke volumes. It, it just really did. And, you know, Chris isn't a famous athlete per se, but he had a really strong upbringing in basketball and just became a good friend of mine over the last year and a half or so, not even a long time, but, but anyway, um, just what he said, just, it was just amazing. It took me back and now I've kind of taken my own initiative to speak out of, against racism myself. Um, right here, even during our new podcasts here, And uh, this interview with uh, the Nurse family was uh, another great educational experience, no doubt about it.
1: Also, flipping kind of the coin almost and doing a complete 360, the world of basketball coming out with big news that they will be heading to Orlando in the 22-team playoff format and how the teams will earn their way into the playoffs. Some teams already clinched, of course. The Toronto Raptors among those teams that have already earned a spot to play in the playoffs. Kevin, your thoughts on playing in Orlando in Disney NBA playing in the land of Mickey Mouse I mean I
2: think the biggest thing I took away from the announcement today was the fact that they included dates like right down to the draft and December 1st for the start of next season when you look at the NHL announcement just over a week ago and you know they weren't they weren't ready to set dates they weren't ready to commit to anything except this is what we're doing they hadn't even had the playoff format nailed down yet until today. And then you look at the NBA comes out and they've got the plan right through and that's what I take away most from it is how two leagues at that level can be you know, one so committal to this is what we're doing and the other one to kind of be passive and saying, We're gonna take this one step at a time and see what happens. But there's gonna be a lot of challenges, I think, with the Disney thing, especially for players and families. I mean you go all the way you're looking at three four months without your family i mean what weird what kind of weird place would you go and not bring your family than disney so i don't know it'll be interesting
1: a lot of unanswered questions and i mean no one will know those questions and the answers to those questions until we play it out and we talk about this let's say in december once it's all played out and hopefully hopefully key word there folks hopefully played out because nothing is set in stone until they get the green light from the government and health officials, of course. But, Andrew, is this similar to the NHL? And this is obviously a trial and error period for the NBA. But does this format and what they're doing as a league make the league better going forward to 2021?
0: I mean, you certainly hope so. Um, I mean, everyone's trying new things right now, right? I mean, this this is a situation where every major sports league, every sports league period, is having to find a way to adapt so I mean the NBA uh, maybe uh, realized they were a bit behind the eight ball in terms of uh, a return to play format so they put some more dates set in stone I don't know I kind of feel like that was like just a, a showing to the NHL like hey you know uh, we're here too and we have a plan and we even maybe have more of a solid plan they have they have a location picked already the NHL does not so that's an interesting piece right there and you know it, <laughs> the fact that it's at Disneyland is interesting because at the end, when everyone, when I'm thinking of Michael Jordan right now, when they won their championships, what do they say at the end? We're going to Disney.
1: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So
0: I was like, man, that's just interesting that that's the place that they chose, but it's kind of at the epicenter of, you know, like the family entertainment world in a sense. Um, In terms of how it goes forward, I mean, I would like to think that this is going to be. Uh, also, a one-time thing with the NBA. It's very, very likely, if not certain, that, that it's going to be in terms of the 22-team format. But, I mean, uh, they have some solid things in place for how to how to move forward with the league. And, and there's no question that fans of the NBA are starved as well. It's not just hockey fans. But uh, I, I certainly think that they've uh, made some progress here. And hopefully, hopefully the Disney World thing works out. But it would be a shame not to have the NBA players not be able to bring their families. That's going to be a tough thing to consider.
1: And now before we flip back and go back into hockey and catch up with the Nurse family and get their thoughts and what's going on in the world today and hear some stories from them, I, f- I completely flip again, and now we go to the diamond. Of sports Sportsnet Central covers all sports, and we try to bring you up-to-date coverage of everything going on in the world of sports. And Gina, obviously a St. Louis Cardinals fan, big St. Louis sports addict right there, Kevin St. Jean. You'll never meet someone from probably Ontario who knows more about St. Louis sports and will you know, shine the light on St. Louis Blues, hockey, Cardinals, everything St. Louis. But anyways, MLB completely at a different tipping point right now. They're not really ready to make an announcement. They're at a huge kind of debate going on between the players and the owners and the teams. Your thoughts on where the MLB is and what happens with this summer if there's no baseball? Yeah, I mean, personally, the I'm at the point where I'm
2: not expecting any baseball this year. The seesaw battle between owners and players, and it's just so far spread. You know, we're not talking 10, 20 games. We're talking, you know, 64-game difference and so on. And at the end of the day, it's all about the money right now with the players, I find. Um, There's so many other questions, right? If the season doesn't happen, what happens with free agency? What happens with everything? So personally, I'm not expecting a season. I hope there is.
1: I miss baseball. Well, um, we'll find out. Time will tell. Andrew, your thoughts on – does this put the league season normal schedule of 162 into perspective when they're talking, let's bring it down to basically almost a quarter of that and play 50? Does it put into perspective how long baseball actually is? Oh, sure it does. I mean, ask baseball players
0: how many days off they have throughout the season and they could probably count it on two hands maybe. Like, you know, it's – uh. It's, it's an extremely long season, and it's unfortunate that in this era of not having a salary cap in Major League Baseball is really showing its true colors because it's exploiting where this issue is at in terms of return to play for the Major League Baseball because they're just too far apart on many areas, and you can't say that the money isn't, isn't one of the big driving factors. As we know, it has been in other sports as well, but right now, not having a salary cap is really hurting their, their, uh, their return to play at this moment.
1: Well, personally, I don't see baseball like like Kevin, you keep saying I don't see baseball happening this year. locally, the IBL, the well and Jackfish still slated to start first pitch no earlier than July 1st and that hasn't changed and talking with the owner Ryan Harrison, he's trying to stay up to date with everything he can and keep fans engaged. But as we inch closer, he's obviously feeling the pressure. the IBL is feeling the pressure as well because it, it doesn't look promising when Ontario just extended the order to keep every you know the gatherings of five people or less until June 30th. The IBL has yet to make a statement, but I can't see games going, you know, normally Canada Day we're playing baseball and a lot of fans and families are coming out to the ballpark on Canada Day, but I just don't see how that happens this year. We'll wait an official word and of course we'll report that if anything happens, but for now baseball not looking good in the world you know, in the world of the Niagara region and the world in whole, other than the Korean league right now going on, not much baseball is happening on a beautiful June, June day where you expect to see baseball everywhere. Not much happening at all for now. Let's go right into it though. We have Isaac, Sarah and Roger nurse and what a family to bring on to sports nut central to talk about everything hockey and what they've gone through in today's society and what is happening with the nurse family. Uh Roger, I'll just go back and take me back to when they were growing up. And, of course, you have to preach leadership, courage, and talk about, you know, what is right, what is wrong. How important was that for Isaac and Sarah for, from your parents coming and teaching that them when they were growing up?
3: Well, I think it's important they know that they have to, if they want to accomplish anything, they've got to put in the work. They've got to put in the time. They've got to put in the effort. Nothing's going to be handed to them. Um, Sarah made the Olympic team. She was basically the 28th kid added to the camp. And she busted through, and next thing you know, she's playing in overtime in the gold medal game. So she put in the time, put in the effort. Isaac, 11th round draft pick, not supposed to make the OHL, was captain for the last season. So it's if you want it, you got to go work for it because no one's going to hand it to you. And you've got to break down the doors, break down the barriers to get where you want to be. And that's always been the most important. And work for what you want, work hard for it, and do the right thing.
1: Isaac, playing in hometown Hamilton, of course, and growing up playing minor hockey there, how exciting and important was that for you to put on the Bulldog sweater for the first time and play right in your backyard?
4: I mean, it was amazing. I mean, growing up, you go to Bulldogs games all the time and you think about, hey, I'm gonna I want to play there one day. And then that day comes and it's it's like it's just like wow. It's like now, now this is it, and now I'm finally doing it.
1: So to add to that, this is your last year, of course, and you know, you're putting on the C for the first time, following some big names. You have probably what could have been one of your best years, obviously cut short due to the coronavirus and what's happening in the world. But did you elevate your game mentally and obviously on the ice to prepare yourself to be the captain?
4: Uh, I think so, yeah. I mean, I came into the year and I got hurt at the beginning. So I think it took a lot of mental repair and a lot of mental preparation to come back when I was ready to to be better than I was. And I think I did that well.
1: Sarah, I'll go to you now. Obviously a very sports oriented background family and of course Roger and we could talk about this for hours with all the the important people in your family was it a rivalry growing up with Isaac and you know all the other members of your family was it tough or was it kind of a fun filled relationship with everyone growing up in the nurse household
5: no I think it was a pretty great environment um, growing up we were obviously all very close uh, Isaac being my brother and then my cousins were all very close in age so we grew up together and I think we competed more, you know, on on the street playing basketball in uh, at Grandma's house than we did any any time like competitively. Um, we never went up against each other really in hockey and basketball, anything like that. I think we all just pushed pushed each other to be the best players that we could possibly be. Um, I mean, Isaac, when I was going through the under 18 program with Team Canada, like he was up running with me uh he was doing my training and helping me being the best hockey player that i could possibly be so i think we've all contributed to each other's success
1: so let me go i'm going to fast forward here and jump to st louis when of course in back in january you were going there for the three-on-three and to represent the women's hockey of the world and represent what women's hockey means to you at the nhl all-star challenge and all-star weekend how was your time in st louis obviously coming what's happening in the women's world of hockey and what did st louis mean to the game of women's hockey and what is it going to bring going forward
5: yeah in st louis it was a it was a pretty incredible experience and i think it was pretty perfect for us um, in the last few years they've had the women come out and demonstrate some drills and happen to be a part of the weekend but with what's going on in women's hockey and us not having a league they really gave us that platform that we needed and we were able to showcase in our own event, um, our skills and abilities, and it gained a ton of traction. The weekend was, uh, again, incredible. We had so much fun. We were treated like rock stars. And it was just really cool that at the beginning of the week, when they introduced everybody, you know, they introduced the Western Conference, the Eastern Conference, and then they introduced us. And they were like, These are your 2020 uh, NHL All Stars. Like, these are the best players in the world, all on one surface. So it was an awesome event, and uh, we're very grateful for it.
1: Now, I know Andrew and Kevin both have questions for you. I'm just going to ask one more right, right off the hop here. And Sarah, like you said, in St. Louis, they, they introduced everyone and they made it a whole package so that the women obviously felt included and they tried to grow the women's sport. What do you feel is missing, though, so much for the women's side of things? You look at the LPGA, that league is formed solidly. You look at tennis and the women's side of it, they're there. The WNBA, of course, with Kia. What is missing from hockey to make it, a professional league and take that next step to make it big.
5: I guess when you look at hockey in terms of other sports, I really think that women's hockey is kind of still in that infancy stage. Like maybe we're kind of progressing through childhood right now, but if, if you look at women's hockey, like I grew up playing boys hockey. So there were still, women's leagues like being created at the time but they weren't huge they're they're not what they are today which is incredible progress you know women's hockey is one of the fastest growing sports in North America so I think ultimately like we're still growing and we're still in that child phase and we've done a lot of work at the grassroots level and I think that the next step is really to get and to put in work at that professional level because that's what we're gonna Inspire the younger generations to ultimately play and to stick with sport and to stick with hockey and and to really ride it out. Because I see a lot of great hockey players now that they finish university have nowhere to play and they and they stop playing and they're exceptional hockey players, but there's nowhere for them to play. So I definitely think that the next step is definitely implementing that at the professional level.
1: That's awesome. I'll go to Roger quickly, um, Roger as a referee and some of the may not some of the viewers may not know you've ref lacrosse for a long time ref at the ref at the professional level ref junior all the way to the young kids playing up playing through minor lacrosse was it was it kind of awkward i guess to watch games and of course you're a broadcaster as well as you mentioned earlier was it awkward for you to watch games watch your children's games not as a ref but as a parent to make that switch
3: well, no, it's easy because you've got to learn to compartmentalize your life. It's like, there are times I'm watching a game and, oh yeah, I'll kick in the referee mode once in a while, but you got to learn to be a fan. And that's kind of, you know, for me right now, it's a great transition because, you know, when the kids were small my sons were small, I coached them, you know? So I have actually refereed hockey. So I've had a lot of the, I've done a lot in the areas of the game. So Right now, for me, it's really great, but over the course of time, you just got to enjoy watching them, enjoy what they're doing, enjoy watching them grow. And right now, you know, there's really not much I can say. It's like these guys have told me over and over again, I've never played a game in the Olympics or a game in the OHL, so I can't tell them anything anymore. So I could just sit there and just watch, enjoy, and be a fan.
1: Now, this question, I guess, for all three of you, and Isaac, I'll start with you playing in the OHL with what's going on in the world right now, has hockey ever been like an escape for you to get away from what's going on in the world and, you know, the racism and, you know, the background, of course, was it, was it easy for you going to the rink day in and day out? And has it, has there ever really been tough times where you you didn't want to go to the rink because of a racial issue?
4: I mean, I feel like the rink is kind of escape for everyone. I mean, everyone has stuff going on in their life that they can't control, but I mean, it affects them a lot. And I mean, Going to the rink, you're there with your brothers and your family. That you're, that those are your family now, and I think that's the biggest escape for some players, and it definitely helps.
1: Sarah, I guess the same question to you because of, you know, you've you've played with the boys, you've played in so many different situations. Has there ever been really a tough time where you did not want to go to the rink for any reason?
5: Yeah, I guess obviously playing with the boys. um I was kind of in that minority category at that, at that point. And then obviously growing up as a black hockey player, um, there definitely been microaggressions and different things that are thrown at you that, that you don't necessarily love. Um, But again, like, as Isaac said, like you go to the rink and your, your team is there with you that's your support system that's your family um one thing that i've been talking about a little bit recently is just in canada and in the hockey scene obviously it's it's a white dominated sport and when you have people of color you have indigenous uh kids black kids who are playing hockey i think that if you are not good and if you're not excelling at hockey i don't want to say there's no place for you but you're very heavily questioned on why you're playing and why you're not why you're not doing anything else and I think that's pretty sad because loving the game and being passionate about the game isn't good enough in a sense and I think that's something that really needs to change uh, in Canada
1: who is someone that you looked up to Sarah Um, obviously on the women's side of it you know you look you see big names like Haley Wickenheiser is doing something with the men's side trying to grow the sport for the ladies was there a lady you looked up to playing with the men and trying to figure out who could I aspire to be
5: I didn't really have anybody to look up to. Um, I remember doing like a project on Haley Wickenheiser um, growing up, but I I never really saw her play. So she wasn't a person that – I could say that I aspire to be like. Um, I mean, I looked up to players like Matt Dean and Jerome McGinley in the NHL because I didn't have women on TV. I, I didn't see them. I saw them one game every four years. So that's that's definitely an unfortunate thing about my kind of upbringing. But that's definitely something we're trying to change.
0: If I can just throw a question in for Sarah, um, Andrew here again, by the way. But uh, I, I saw an interview with you, with yourself and Ron McLean and, and Akil Thomas as well. And what the thought that came to my mind during that last question there was: Do you guys, do you do yourself, and maybe Akil see yourselves maybe as like trailblazers, you know, for people of color, or how do you see yourself in terms of uh, being an inspiration to people coming up uh, under you?
5: I guess obviously on an everyday basis, I don't think of myself as a trailblazer. You know, maybe looking back and and seeing what I'm doing and what I'm saying, maybe I'll look back and say, hey, maybe I. Paved some paths for some for some kids coming up, but I definitely just want to be somebody that people can look to and say, you know, she's doing this. She's she's unafraid of doing this. She's she's courageous. She's brave. Um, she's putting women's hockey out there. She's putting hockey out there to to people of color. And so I definitely want to be somebody that people look to. Um, yeah.
0: And just to follow up with that too. I I watched your interview also with Tim and Sid. Uh, it was about a year ago. And what what a difference a year can make. At that time, you had said that women weren't treated as athletes. Has that narrative changed uh, in the last year with the All Star Game and some? Has there been more progress made for you guys trying to get you know that labor dispute, if you will, settled and and among many other things?
5: I think we've created a lot of momentum. Um, When I did that interview with Tim and Sid, obviously we had nothing and we had nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I think that at that point and our treatment in the leagues that we played in, um, we weren't treated as professional athletes, and it was sad. And I think in the last year, we've definitely made a bunch of progress. Um, There's a lot of momentum with, with not only women's hockey, but women's sports in general at the professional level, which is what we need. Um, There's so many girls who are in sports and it's stressed all the time, the importance of females being in sport. Um, It's, there are studies that say that, having females in sport is a lot more beneficial for them than compared to their male counterparts. Um, Females need sport. They need that support. They need that family. And so having that professional space for female sports is going to be huge.
0: You don't have to give any names, but are there any players that you've spoken to in the NHL? You know, your cousin obviously could be one of them, but is there, is there anybody that you can think of that you've had a conversation with about, you know, just having more support come from, say, the NHLPA, the the, the players that represent represent the league for mm-hmm. to speak on your behalf, if you will.
5: Yeah, we've had a ton of support from the NHLPA. They've actually been pretty incredible um, with our players' association as well. Uh, we have pretty good contacts with their female advisory clinic or committee, excuse me, and. Ultimately, the NHL players know what we go through. They know what we sacrifice. They know how hard we work um, to be professional athletes. So they want to see us succeed. And I think they just don't exactly know how to help. Um, at the moment so I know when guys talk about women's hockey like they they realize that that's huge for us and if they can throw us in there during an interview like that's going to create some buzz and so we have definitely had a lot of people reach out and support and uh, it's it's been pretty cool so we're definitely excited about the future.
0: Is there some sort of form formality that needs to take place in terms of you know whether it's like statements in the media going forward that you hope to see to know tangibly that the NHLPA or or even the NHL has your back.
5: Yeah, I think that this last year with the PWHPA and us traveling around to different cities on our Dream Gap tour um, was awesome. We had a lot of outreach from the NHL member clubs and going forward into the 2020 season before COVID hit, we had a lot of outreach um, again from different clubs. We had a lot of dates lined up and things um, kind of in the works, but ultimately that's kind of going to take the back seat because we don't know what next year is going to look like. And so we've already had a ton of support from the individual member clubs um, and the PA. So again, we're just looking forward to the future.
1: Isaac, I got a question for you. Um, back when you went with the Blackhawks and you went to their um, development training camp, did that elevate your game? And what did you take away from that camp and bring back to Hamilton to really improve your game at the OHL level?
4: I mean, when I went there, I was, I had been hurt, so I didn't get a chance to really play in the games, but the experience in general was truly outstanding. I mean, the guys that were playing, you can see how good they were. And I mean, it sucked that I couldn't play and be on the ice, out, ice out with them. But, I mean, the experience and everything I took back with me, it helped me elevate myself.
1: So with COVID coming in now and shortening your, your last year with the Bulldogs, what, what's in store for you going forward in your hockey career?
4: Um, just waiting right now and kind of doing all my training and seeing what the next step is and seeing when everything comes back to term and see what happens there.
1: Roger, this goes back up to you, obviously, being a parent. Is it is it tough for you to sit back and realize that, you know what, there's really nothing we can do right now? And how do you kind of parent these kids, even though they're adults now, but you being the father figure and wanting to help them as much as you can, how do you give your two cents?
3: Well, the biggest challenge is, you know, you look at Isaac, as you mentioned, spent the first half of the season injured he comes back and, you know, was really gaining a lot of momentum in the second half of the season. You know, we, we talked about – you know, we talked statistics drive sports and statistically, like he was in half a season was about to surpass what he'd done in his best season in the OHL. So, and a big playoff run and he's getting healthier, he's getting stronger. And then, you know, six games left in the regular season, it all shuts down. So now, I guess the biggest thing you have to look back and say is, is right now you have no control except for what you can control. So what you can't control is, how hard you train, the effort you put in, and let's just see where the chips left. You know, there over the course of the last three years, there's been interest from NHL clubs in Isaac's in Isaac's services, whether the AHL level or to come to camps. So we know that's there. It's a matter of when things get back, is that interest still gonna be there? But if it is there, are you going to be ready? And the most important thing is you have to be ready for when it comes because if a team comes calling and says, hey, we want you to come to this camp. Hey, you better pick up your stuff, get on the ice and bust it. Because if you're not ready to go, suddenly the NHL dream stops real quick.
1: I want to, before we end this, I want to bring, bring both of you back and even Roger yourself back to minor days. And Isaac, I'll start with you. Go back to when you were playing minor hockey, what memories do you miss the most? And what do you cherish playing now in the OHL, looking back at your minor days? What really, you know, touches home with you playing minor hockey?
4: I think minor hockey, just everyone you're with, you're just having fun. I mean, it's, it's before, before the time we're now, it's like now it's a job. Back then, all you're doing is just having fun. You're out there having fun with all your friends, your family, and just enjoying it. But I think the OHL, my greatest experience is definitely the year we won. I mean, that was the most exciting and, and fun time, lifting that cup above my head and saying I'm a champion in my home city.
1: Was, was it was a crazy playing in that building? Of course, more fans come to the playoff games. And when you're, you're hoisting the cup up and you come into Hamilton, one of the biggest arenas, of course, in the OHL, was the atmosphere like tremendously different than the regular season playing in the playoffs there?
4: Yeah. I mean, every series we gain so many more fans coming out to games. And I remember the last the final series coming out in that first home game. I mean, the, stadium, the building was full. And I hadn't seen it that full in years, so it was uh, it was amazing to walk out of that tunnel into a screaming crowd.
1: And now, Sarah, when you you obviously grew up playing with the boys, playing minor hockey, hockey in Hamilton has been huge. And there's so many big names to go through that town, steel town Hamilton. What what what's a fondest memory of you playing minor hockey in Hamilton?
5: Yeah, I mean, I started off in like the Hamilton Hub League, and I don't even know if that still exists today, I'm not sure, <laughs> but uh, it was a fun like inner city league, and there were rivalries within the league, and I mean, play I grew up playing with the same guys kind of year to year, and we had pretty good relationships, you know, they would go to battle for me, I'd try to score as many goals I could for them. Um, and then going to girls hockey was a pretty special experience because I I got to experience it with my peers with people who were like me and as I said it was just fun like that was back when hockey like you didn't take it too seriously you just went to drink and have fun and I think uh, on an Olympic stage on a national team level stage um, in university even like you have to remind yourself that the reason that you started playing hockey and the reason that you fell in love with hockey was because it was fun. And so I think it's sometimes you have to think back to those minor hockey days and remember your dad giving you the business and the car on the way home, (laughs) thinking about how far you've come.
1: So Roger, I'll give you the last word, I guess. And as Sarah just mentioned it, I'm sure there's been car rides home that have been a little dicey or up and down at times, but what, 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 brings back the the best memory for you watching your kids grow up playing minor hockey
3: well I mean I was one of those corner dads so you know in every rank I had my spot you know the other parents who were there knew knew who I was because I had my spot and it's just it's just those days of just coming in and just watching them play and just, you know, watch them have fun. And I tried not to be one who made a lot of noise in the rink. It was, you know, if they did something that frustrated me, I knew, I knew they couldn't hear me. I, I could yell and scream. I would just look like an idiot. So truthfully, I just tried to sit in the corner and grip my teeth but I didn't like what I saw, but just watch them have fun. And, you know, every time I think I get myself a little worked up about something going on in the game, like, I always think back to experience. I was coaching my two sons, so Isaac would have been about five. So his brother would have been six, and I'm on the bench. This is a tight house hockey game, and it's it's as intense as a Tyke hockey game can get for adults, of course. And I'm on the bench, and you know it's a rivalry game, and me and my coaches were all intense and all this stuff. And I feel this little tug on my leg, and I kind of look down, and there was this young kid, and I'll tell you, his name's Darian Kelp, and Darian he played in Quebec in the queue. Um, Darian, great kid, still see him on a regular basis now. But he looks up, at me, and he's five years old, and he says, Coach Roger. Could EG and Isaac come over and play after the game today? <laughs> and you kind of stop and you put it all in perspective and go, you know what? It's just fun. It's just a game. And that's what always brings me back. Just as the kids said, just have fun with it and just enjoy
0: watching. Uh, Spencer. before we uh, move on, yeah. Gina, did you have a question for uh, either Sarah, Roger, or Isaac, just before we move on here?
2: <laughs> I mean, I had the list and you guys pretty much banged all of it off. Um, <laughs> I guess one last question for Sarah was, uh, where do you see the women's game, say, in five years from now?
5: I definitely see it with a professional space um, for us to plan. Obviously, right now it's definitely a struggle um, doing what we're doing because we ultimately want to be kind of the creators of our own faith, I guess, and our own destiny. We want to have a hand in creating a a professional space because in the past we've had professional leagues that have been only really professional by name um, they're not professional by nature they they don't have it's not just about compensation it's about all the little things that go into a professional environment and I think that's what we're really trying to build and so in five years I definitely see a league starting up and us having a place to play obviously it's not gonna be perfect it's gonna be very new very young but I definitely see that
2: and I guess building on that question what impact on the Olympics do you think a women's professional league would have when you see right now, the NHL players not going to the Olympics?
5: I don't see, I guess the women never, I guess ever not going to the Olympics. Um, Obviously that's been our stage to shine for the last 20 years. And I don't see that really changing. Um, People love the, you know, the Canada U S rivalry and I really don't see that changing. Uh, it's unfortunate that the NHL players don't go to the Olympics, I think personally, because you know they're the best players in the world and I think that they should have the opportunity to represent their country. Um, where I think that a professional league will impact the Olympics is just in terms of our training. Uh, Right now, both Canada and the U.S., we basically take a year away from our teams, our normal club teams, and we centralize together. And that's how we train in the eight months leading up to the Olympic games. And so I think having an actual professional league will impact that. And I I don't see us taking those away from our professional teams to train together.
1: Well, Sarah, I know we hope to see a professional league starting very soon and we thank you for all the work you've put in towards it and all the other members that have been trying to start this and bring awareness because we hope to see a professional women's league starting very soon and have you a part of it, of course. And Isaac, we wish you nothing but the best next year. And who knows what's happened with COVID, of course, and where sports will go from that. But we thank you, all all you guys, for coming on and sharing your stories because this has been fantastic. And there's nothing more than bringing everyone together than sports right now during these tough times. So thank you for coming on. Hey,
4: thank you, thank you for asking.
1: Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. Thank you guys. You know what a family, the nurse family is and what they've accomplished is incredible. You try to, you try to think of a family much like them far and few that come in between in my eyes. I mean, you think of several brothers, you think of father, sons, mother-daughters that are big names in the world of sports, but to have a family that big, it's incredible. And they're literally 45 minutes away from all of us in our backyard.
2: Yeah, I think the the biggest thing I took from it was uh, how close-knit the family was. And, you know, when they talk about growing up and, you know, they never competed on a competitive level against each other, but there was always a dr- the driveway games at Grandma's house and everything like that. It really shows – how they all supported each other growing up. And, I mean, that obviously goes a long way to where they are now and just their passion for what's to come. You know, when Sarah's talking about, you know, five years from now, her answer for that is incredible. Um, I'd love to see a women's pro game. I think it'd be great for the sport in general, and, you know, time will
1: tell. Andrew, personally, what do you think is missing? Because we could talk about women's sports forever and how there's so many things going on in the the world of women's sports. You personally, though, from the media side, what's missing to bring women's hockey on the map and that people are actually know what's going on They're You know, they're getting fans in the building, not just a hundred fans. They're playing in decent sized arenas. What's missing from women's hockey.
0: You know, it's interesting. I, I uh, I, I, I should have asked Sarah, but I was curious, even just doing my research on the nurse family and specifically Sarah, I'm wondering if the physicality part of the game in women's hockey, I wonder if that not being such a focal point is what fans would see as missing. Because again, I, I don't know what that looks like in terms of, <laughs> I don't know if they would bring uh, hitting body checking into women's hockey or consider it. Uh, Cause you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm wondering why that isn't the case right now. Why women can't, play contact hockey i mean it sounds like a funny thing to say but at the same time i'm like you know why why is that and would they be open to it you know i don't know about fighting because i mean they always you know they they all wear full cages from what i've seen for the most part and i don't think fighting wouldn't be something that people would want maybe or need even in men's hockey it's kind of slowly fading away still but you know in terms of the physical style of play i wonder if uh i wonder if that could be amped up a little bit i don't know i don't know if that's something that they would want or that the game needs in terms of women's hockey, because, you know, they get, the ladies get fired up on the ice too. They they get to a point where, you know, you, <laughs> you want to lay somebody out, you know, <laughs> like there's, there's times during the game where, you know, I think it happens and it's kind of dialed back, right. Because it just doesn't have a place in the game. So I'm curious if body contact is something that's missing from the game. And if it's something that would be, desired or wanted from, from
1: the players. So I guess I would, I wish I would have asked Sarah that. So I kind of be, I'll come in here and I'll say the complete opposite almost because you look at men's hockey and you look at minor hockey in Ontario, we're in Ontario here, all three of us doing this. And minor hockey is taking steps, putting in all these plans to remove hitting and remove body contact all the way up. Now house league in Ontario, there's no contact. You play AAA hockey, there's no contact until Bantam hockey, which is your 12 and 13-year-old kids. When I played growing up, and I'm 25 now, we started hitting all the way back in Adam, and I think I was only six or seven years old. So in about 10 years, they've changed contact out of hockey, and they've taken it out, and they've reduced the number of games with contact, and you don't start hitting now until you're 12 or 13 years old, depending on the level of play. I completely agree with what you're saying. Is that why a lot of people aren't coming in? And Gina, you may know, you know, as a fan watching, and we talked about the three-on-three three All-Star weekend, do you feel the NHL used the women in any way as, you know, like a, a PR move for the the league itself to grow more attention to the All-Star weekend? Or was this genuine? Was this real? Do you feel the NHL stepping up and actually trying to, prove women's hockey is on the rise
2: um i'd say it's more genuine than them using them per se i think uh they want to be known to be big supporters because it's only good face for them um if you know they show good support they help build women's hockey you know five years from now pro league starts because of that support from the nhl it's only bonus points to them right so for them to say that they used them kind of as a PR stint, I, I don't think that's, that's it at all.
1: Well, the only reason I ask, and this has been brought up on Twitter, social media, in so many articles from so many different people, does the NHL need to fund a league for the women? You look at tennis, you look at golf. Two big examples I use. There's a men's side and a women's side. But golf, for example, they fall under the LPGA using the same rules. Everything is the PGA and the events are streamed and they're, they're shown online on the golf channel and major events are talked about when they show golf highlights from the men, they're showing the women's highlights and it's not something they look down on. It's something the PGA is stepping up and saying, Hey, we're willing to step up. We're willing to, you know, make sure the women have a great league and a league that's going to be sustainable for years to come. Does the NHL, I guess, have to step up and, you know, put this in their operating budget, and put in a women's National Hockey League? Um, I, Obviously, the funding's
2: a huge help. I think it goes more than just them funding it out of their own pocket, per se. I mean, when you negotiate TV deals and everything like that to include it all as kind of one package, I think it would help financially as well without them taking it out of their own pocket. So...
1: I I would say in a way, yes, but in a way, no. So I guess I'll I'll re-ask this, and Andrew, we'll get your opinion. And I'll I'll change this more to the media side of it. Does the NHL almost need to take this on as almost like a farm league, like they do the AHL? Obviously, there's going to be no farm systems with the players moving up to the NHL level. But do they need to put it under the umbrella? And would the women be willing to accept that, of course, under the umbrella that this is the National Hockey League women's division? Is that something you could see happening in the future? I think that if
0: anything eventually they would like to make uh, make it a league of their own, something to call their own so if the NHL can give them a boost in terms of just getting it off the ground, sure they would maybe be open to that because then you can look at of course compensating the ladies as well. that's a, a big part of it is you know if you listen to Sarah's interview on Tim and Sid last year, May of 2019, she talked about how I mean she was open about even the amount of money she was making every year from, from playing women's hockey. And it, and it wasn't very much. So I think eventually the women would love to have a league of their own. And one thing that actually makes me think about the broadcast side of it is just this year, just before COVID hit, we had International Women's Day, where it was all, an all-women NHL broadcast all the way through. Every single broadcaster was female. So you also got to think in terms of broadcasting, that's jobs, that's jobs for a lot of ladies. Maybe some men can be thrown in there too, but it would be pretty awesome to see women grow the game, have their own league and then also have, you know, national broadcasting rights and, and, and their own sort of wing, if you will, of broadcasting from the women's side of things. It would just open up a whole new, a whole new, um, realm, if you will, by allowing women on a regular basis, to get into the habit of us, us seeing them on TV, hearing them on the radio, calling games,
1: you know, it'd just be an amazing sight. I go back to that day and I remember that day. Well, cause I remember the flames played and Cassie Campbell was calling the game. I forget who who was her partner, but you're absolutely right. And it's, it's sad in a way that we have to have these days. Yes. The jobs are predominantly men and they're predominantly past players who are coming into the broadcast side, but, there's so many talented women out there. And like Sarah says, all they want is to be treated equally. They wanted to be treated as athletes. And it's amazing to look back on it now, but how we go forward is only what's going to change. What comes you know, down the pipe in the next few years and hearing from the nurses has just taught us so much about what is happening in the world of women's sports, but also like Isaac said, what is happening in the world of sport now with COVID-19 and what's going to change and how this world will adapt to sports because we all all three of us can agree we dearly miss live sports right now like korean baseball for me is something i got favorite on the websites we're watching korean baseball every now and then checking just in on a live sport because it's amazing just to you know sit down and watch something that's actually happening
0: well there's nothing like it right i mean that's what we're all missing and the replays are one thing but it's it, there's nothing like being able to react to a live sport. That's just the way it goes, right? And going back to uh, International Women's Day there for a moment, uh, in my conversation with Tara Sloan, as we all know, Rogers' hometown hockey co host with Ron McLean, she said, you know, it's unfortunate that we have to be so intentional about such things mm-hmm. as International Women's Day and having that all women's broadcast because it's just not normalized yet, right? So That's I think. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And I think that this COVID thing has given us all so much time to think about what we really want in life, right? In life. And if you're an athlete, that's part of it. Like, you know, and and that means more opportunities for women and uh, of of all folks from all walks of life to, uh, to be able to play and enjoy the sports that we all love. Right. So.
1: So I'll, I'll end it on this and I'll ask you, the viewers and the listeners, of course, to chime in as well and leave your comments on this question. And this, it's kind of a a vague question, but it gets us thinking. And Kevin, I'll start with you. It's a kind of a simple question with all the plans from the NBA in place, the NHL in place, is this worth it going forward for the leagues and sport itself playing this revised format just to play the game?
2: I mean, financially, a hundred percent it's huge for all leagues but especially the pro leagues and i think it just it's just that ending that us as fans want the players want you know there's months and months of grinding that would just be thrown away for nothing so as much as it's different and it's out of the ordinary and you know maybe not what some people saw as the finish that they want i think at the end of the day everybody wants to you know Somebody to lift the cup. Everyone wants somebody to win the NBA championship and then just move forward knowing that season wasn't for nothing. I mean, you hear Rod Brindamore speak about why they voted no for the playoff format because he thought that it kind of meant the season wasn't really worth as much as it should be. So then to think of canceling everything completely, then it's really worth nothing. So, you know, putting the end cap on it, and starting fresh you know it's obviously going to be late you look at the nba saying december 1st for their start date for next season you know does that mean shortened season next season as well so we get back on track in two years from now who knows but i think finding an eventual winner to cap off what we've already started is the best way to go both financially and just
1: for you know for everyone to know and Andrew, before you before you answer, I just when I when I asked you guys this question, that the first thing I thought of, and Gina, you kind of hit on it, is the grind and the amount of hours the athletes are putting in to sharpen their skills and be ready to perform for all of us who want to watch as sports fans. But then I also think of the you know the ultimate sports platform, and that is the Olympics, of course. And that was kind of shot down pretty early, and the athletes thought it wasn't early because several athletes said, you know what. It's not worth it. And the athletes, some of them even said, hey, I won't participate if the Olympics go on. So, Andrew, when you think of the grind, yes, they've put in all this work. Is it still, though, too much too soon for these big sports leagues? And are we just maybe a little bit greedy wanting them to come back?
0: I love the question because it really kind of tests your character and where your heart is at just as a human being,
1: right? I mean, Hang like, on. I, mu- I must put a disclaimer on this, no matter which way you answer, because I mean, we all have our opinions. It does not change your character. I will, I will <laughs> say that right now. We will not think of you as a lesser person if you say yes or no.
0: Well, if you did, I have to take it in stride, you know, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> it's all good. We're entitled to our opinions, but um, you know, I like the way the NHL went about it. And, and again, the NBA, no, no one's going to do this if it's not safe and sports is a uniting thing that's what you're hearing about this whole racism thing is that sports are trying to find a way to unite people at a time when a lot of people are divided so I think sport can only hopefully unite people and even if they come back sooner honestly the thing I'm most curious about in a way is to see how humbling of an experience this will be for the players with no fans you talk about guys and earning all this money doing what they love. But I mean, that adrenaline, that rush, that feeling isn't going to be there. It's not going to be the same experience when sports come back live without the fans in the stands. So I'm curious the impact it's going to have on the players and if they're going to realize and be humbled and more grateful and have their attitudes change about sport um, going forward based on the fact that it's just them and the other team and and that's it.
1: Absolutely well said. And I never even thought of the idea of playing without fans and what the leagues will do without fans because yes it'll be a different atmosphere for everyone and i'm excited to see you know time and time pass us because as time passes us we get closer to the start of these seasons eventually it will come back of course and hopefully it's sooner rather than later in the most healthiest way possible anyways be sure to subscribe to our youtube channel we can't urge you enough to do that please subscribe and Like all of our social media platforms, you can find this podcast wherever you can find most of your podcasts available, of course, with Spotify, Google, Apple, we're all over the map and we can't wait to bring you more live and more up-to-date information from the world of sports. And we thank you for joining us here on episode three. There's so much more to come. We're learning with you together as this is tough times for everyone. We're trying to bring you lots of great sports kind of motivation in a way to bring up our hopes to bring us back to what the world of sports used to look like before COVID-19 sports nut central off the air for now until next time, keep your stick on the ice You never know where it'll take you
0: sports nut central. We're nuts about sports.